with the latest on the corporate front, all the market trends, expert opinion, and sound business advice. It is your unique window into the business world, direct from the heart of China. Hello and welcome to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Coming up, we will have half an hour of business news and analysis. In today's program, we'll talk about the U.S. Federal Reserve hike the interest rate again. Can it tame the inflation? And we will also take a look at Europe. How will they deal with the energy crunch in this coming winter? And now let's begin with our top story. The U.S. Federal Reserve has raised its key interest rate by three quarters of a percentage point for a third straight time. Officials also signal that more large rate increases will come. This is to battle against the surging inflation, which is running at a 40-year high. Owen Fackler reports. U.S. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell warned last month that taming inflation would be painful, and it's proving so. At today's meeting, the committee raised the target range for the federal funds rate by three quarters of a percentage point, bringing the target range to three to three and a quarter percent. That benchmark interest rate is now at its highest since before the 2008 global financial crash, and it means that at more than six percent, the average U.S. mortgage rate is now at its highest since that period. A major household expense that keeps rising, along with gasoline. And those gasoline prices are inching up again, if only marginally. The average price of a gallon of gasoline rising just under a cent to three dollars and sixty-eight this Wednesday, and a little higher at this gas station here in Washington D.C. Nevertheless, that's broken nearly 100 consecutive days of declines after gas prices hit the highest level on record. And those declines had helped the White House argue that the U.S. was getting on top of the highest inflation for 40 years. The headline inflation rate has dipped from its peak of 9.1% in June, but many economists say the latest data suggests price rises have permeated all sectors of the economy, partly due to robust consumer spending fueled by low unemployment. So there's concern Powell may have to effectively force layoffs by raising that main interest rate high enough to make financial conditions tougher for employers. The question is, how high? At some point, as the stance of monetary policy tightens further. It will become appropriate to slow the pace of increases, while we assess how our cumulative policy adjustments are affecting the economy and inflation. One study suggests the Fed will need to push unemployment far higher than its projected 4.1 percent in order to bring inflation down to its target rate of around 2 percent. Owen Fairclough, CGTN, Washington. Well, for more on this, join us on the line now, are Dr. Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer at Novum Archi Technologies, and also Ina Tengen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute. So, gentlemen, welcome to our show. So, Ina, the three quarters of a percentage point interest rate hike again for the United States. What's your reaction? Did the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell do the right thing? Uh, no, no. I, I mean, I consistently say that he's、uh, going in the wrong direction. And quite frankly, I mean, a lot of the pressures that are on inflation have nothing to do、uh, with the Fed. It's it's not、uh, tamping down demand. You you're not going to you know keep people from eating, and you have to have、uh, energy in order to、uh, run your economy.、Uh, this is a global issue. I mean, food, as you can see in Pakistan, it's not just that one third of the country is underwater, but that one third of the country was the breadbasket. Of that country, they are now not going to be able to have a harvest. There's going to be acute issues there. There's going to have to be food that is shifted there. 
but at the same time, you're having problems in other areas uh, with food production. So that is continue to be a problem. And it has nothing to do with Fed rates. It's not like I'm going to stop eating because the Fed increases the rates. Mm-hmm. I might look for cheaper foods, but it's not going to change that. So I, I believe he's going in the exact wrong direction. He's going to kill the economy in the midst of an oncoming recession. And there's going to be – he's risking putting the U.S. and the world into a global um, – uh, a severe global recession, perhaps even a uh, a depression. Mm. And so, Jiahe, what's your reaction to the Federal Reserve's decision? One of the main responsibilities of the Federal Reserve is to keep the inflation in check. But uh, this year, it seems that uh, it doesn't work out, right? Well, well, when we look at the uh, inflation this year, uh, I still think one of the uh, biggest reasons would be the um, over liquidity that was injected into the economy uh, in the past three years because um, the well, not only the U.S. economy, all the world's economy have been trying to fight against the economic recession caused by the COVID-19 uh, in the past three years. All kind of public uh, policy expenditure, medical expenses, all these kinds of things. So a lot of liquidity was uh, injected into the, uh, the economy. And then in this year, we have had a lot of issues like uh, weather issue that caused the food price to increase. Uh, global energy price uh, has been rising quite severely. I mean, look at the oil price, it jumped from $30 to $100 per barrel. So all these things has uh, caused the inflation to go upward. And at this time, the Fed really has its responsibility to keep the inflation in control. I mean, the inflation control is actually the first top priority uh, of the Federal Reserve. So they really hike the interest rate. But if we compare the current interest rate hike with the interest rate hike that we saw before when the Fed was trying to control inflation or overheating economy like in the 1980s or 2000s, um, this interest rate hike by far is still very uh, moderate. It's, It's really not large enough if we compare this with the historical examples. Mm-hmm. So Aina, Jiahe said it's um, you know very moderate, but I still remember <laughs> that last year when the inflation issue you know initially become a problem, the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said it wasn't their problem. So how do you see that? Yeah, uh, he said it wasn't their problem; that it was due to uh, logistics issues, uh, nothing to be worried about. So uh, it, lately, he's been consistently wrong, but never in doubt. And uh, I think he's uh, swung too far in the in the other direction. He's uh, scrambling to uh, put together, as as I always say, he has two goals in mind. One, he thinks he can tamp down overall inflation. I think he can have a, a small effect on that, but because it's supply side inflation that he's facing. Uh, he's he's not going to be able to affect it with Fed and monetary policy. The second part is that he does anticipate that there's going to be a recession. He is, as much as said so in his speech. He talked about long-term. Uh, it's going to take a, quite a while to come out of this. It's going to have to be repricing. Of course, there's going to be pain in the uh, in the employment markets, etc. So, yeah, he, he feels that he has to build up uh, enough ammunition so they can reinflate the economy later. But right now, you're talking about an economy that has $31 trillion in national debt. And although they, over the short term, they can start, uh, you know, paying off uh, debts, uh, you know, at a cheaper rate, you know, old old rates, very, very, very small uh, interest rates on those bonds, they can pay those off with these inflated dollars. The fact is, uh, over time, 
the bill is going to come due and the United States is going to have to start financing its massive debt, and that's going to eat into its budget. So you're going to see more consternation, especially by the Republicans saying, you know, this is out of hand, we have to cut, cut, cut everything except, of course, defense. Mm-hmm. So right now he's going in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So Jiahe, since March, the Federal Reserve has been raising the interest rate to try to slow down the inflation without causing too much economic pain. But to slow inflation, could the Fed tip the economy into recession or could there be a soft landing? Well, when you look at the, well, we don't know the future, you know, the future is really hard for us to anticipate. But when we look at the past, we can learn from historical examples. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the sad thing is that whenever a country, not only the United States, but other countries as well, uh, tries to contain inflation, it is never something that can be really, really soft that you kind of feel a thing, you know. Usually you have pressure onto the economy, Uh, you, you, you really cause pressure onto the economy because one of the uh, biggest um, uh, tools to use to anti-inflation would be hiking the interest rate like the Fed is doing right now. And when you have a high interest rate, people will save more money. Uh, People will spend less money because, you know, the saving rate is much higher. Uh, And uh, because this rising of uh, risk-free interest rates, businesses will stop investing and stock their money. All the economic, uh, economic activities will cool down. And when you talk about economy, yes, we will see an economic growth slowing down. It might not be a recession, depends on how the economy is running, uh, but it, it can be a slowdown. And this is one reason why I think the trade relationship between China and the United States is so important right now. It's, it's not only beneficial for China, but it's also important for the United States that if two countries can uh, work together toward um, you know, better economies for both countries and have better uh, trading relationship, that's not only good for China, it's also good for bringing down the inflation in the United States. Mm. And so, Jiahe, it seems that the stock market dislike the aggressive move of the U.S. Federal Reserve interest rate hike. So how do you view the U.S. stock market so far this year? What about the Nasdaq indices this year? Well, when we talk about the stock market, it's well, it depends on which stock market you're talking about. And if we look at United States market, it's, it's not been very good this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially when we look at many high tech companies, also traditional companies has been dropping. Uh, and this is mainly because the U.S. stock market is a very matured stock market. It follows uh, the economic movement right away. And when we see the interest rate hike is happening, well, in economic theory, you have high interest rate, you have a bad stock market. That's the right thing. Uh, another thing would be that because U.S. market has really had a well, a long period of bull market. Uh, perhaps I can say in the past decade or so, I think it's 12 years since the 2008 uh, global financial crisis. The S&P 500 has kept on increasing. I mean, look at the valuation over here. Uh, back in 2008, the S&P 500 valuation was only around 10 times P ratio. Uh, but last year, it once uh, reached 40 times P ratio. So it was uh, really expensive. Um, and when you have the interest rate hike, it will just come down. Mm. And so, Aina, so Jiahe really mentioned the trade relations is important earlier. So how will the Federal Reserve interest rate hike affect the world economy, affect, you know, people in Europe, in Asia or other emerging markets economies? Well, it's already caused a lot of pain and it's going to cause more. Um, anybody who's uh, borrowed money in dollars is uh, now going to have to pay out about more. Of course, that doesn't matter for developing countries. They don't have any money anyways. So there's going to, they're going to, in essence, default or there's going to have to be some sort of delay arrangement. 
So you have a situation where the dollar is growing stronger. Uh, dollar debts are more difficult to pay back. Uh, money is flowing out of uh, other countries towards the U.S. as people look for attractive, safe uh, environment to hold their money. But I think I think eventually it this kind of panacea that everyone can run to one corner and everything's going to be safe. No, that's not going to work. Uh, it's really going to tip the ship. And when you you have that, you're going to even have an increased uh, situation where the you know global uh, recession is there. The U.S. remember is not you know uh, somewhere separate in its, its own little bubble in the world. It also depends on this economic pyramid, and as a result, it will be a kind of downward spiral that goes. And I'm going to say quite clearly, I disagree with my uh, colleague that it might be a recession. It will be a depression. It might, it will be a recession. It might be a depression. Mm-hmm. And that is a very long-term uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Remember, six, 63% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. They have been experiencing a real loss in income because of this high inflation. And as a result, they, what did they do? They went and took out credit. They use their credit cards. They use, uh, they have to pay their mortgage. Uh, car loans are, are going up and they have taken out uh, uh, home equity loans. Mm-hmm. Those are all going up. So the people who don't have money, that 63%, they're now going to be uh, tipped into a very serious financial crisis. Mm. And so, Ina, you mentioned a stronger U.S. dollar, so that might also put some pressure on the Chinese yuan, which will have implications for the cost of Chinese imports. So do you think the Federal Reserve's you know, monetary policy will have any material impact on China's overall inflation levels? Uh, so far, it hasn't, uh, but the, it's, it's bound to come. On the other hand, China is arranging these uh, currency swaps and direct uh, currency payments is, is, I think, it's a pre- prelude to China internationalizing. If you want, right now, countries are not anxious to deal in dollars, so it's very attractive now for China to say, "Look, let's just do this in in yuan. Uh, it's we're more stable. We're not going to have those kind of price rises. There's no reason to go to a third party uh, valuation. We can simply say, "I need this, and I will pay you in." Uh, in, in yuan, and then you can buy whatever you need from us. Remember, China is the largest trader in the, in the world. It's the largest exporter. Uh, so it makes sense uh, for a lot of countries to start considering getting away from the dollar uh, because it's become toxic. Mm. And so, Jiahe, let's also talk about Europe. They have a sort of uh, other issues, which is a bit of an energy crisis w- with uh, what's happening, you know, of the Russian-Ukraine conflict. So their situation is much more complicated. But the end result is that uh, they are paying more for food, they are paying more for energy, and they do have an inflation problem that I think they are behind the curve when it comes to getting it under control, Right. Well, when, when we look at the European economic situation right now, it's, it's not something really comforting uh, people uh, because, you know, there are multiple reasons behind this. The first is that the overall development level of Europe, even the Western Europe, is less than the United States. If you look at the per capita GDP of France and Germany and the UK, they're running around 40,000 to 50,000 US dollar uh, per, uh, per capita. And if we look at United States, it's above 60,000. US dollar. Uh, also countries like Singapore is about 70,000. So Europe is a weak market. And one other thing is that it's a fragmented market. I mean, they have different languages, there are different markets. Although you, the Eurozone has made it uh, much more united than before, but there are 
still more separated when they're compared uh, with uh, China or United States. So that makes them already a very weak position when you talk about economic uh, capability. Uh, And now the the war between Ukraine and Russia is really putting this uh, into a problem because Russia supplies a large amount of energy, gas, oil to Europe. And when this is stopped, this really creates a really painful economic situation for Europe right now. Mm-hmm. Well, we're speaking with Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer at Novim Aki Technologies, and also Aina Tengen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute. And after a short break, we'll take a look at Europe. How will they deal with the energy crunch in this coming winter? Stay with us. Hello, this is Michael Zhang. Greetings from Los Angeles of the Golden State of California. Thank you today for making me part of your team. I truly enjoy the debates we had and look forward to many more in the years to come. Hello everyone, this is Zoon Ahmed Khan, journalist from Pakistan, currently based in Tsinghua University. World Today is an excellent initiative to discuss current affairs by including experts from across the globe. I've always enjoyed our thought-provoking discussions and wish the team even more success and impact in the future. You're listening to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. The German government has agreed to nationalize Uniper, a company responsible for providing more than a third of Germany's natural gas. And this is the second move in a week by the government to take control of an energy business. And it is part of a wider European response to the winter energy crunch. So, Aina, first of all, why does Germany decide to nationalize its energy infrastructure? Well, in, in the particular case of Uniper, I mean, it's going bankrupt. Um, they uh, reported a, in April it was a $3 billion loss. Uh, they have nowhere to go. Their main asset was going to be based on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which is effectively shut off. Uh, they're contemplating legal action against Gazprom, but Gazprom has a, uh, a, a force majeure clause, and I'm certain in their things, because it's a national issue. They're not, they're not going anywhere. So the German government is, you know, looking to preserve the, the assets. But, you know, the way they're going about it, this this is legal. Uh, the seizing of, uh, of Russian assets, though, that, that is going to be really problematic. I mean, if, if the West is saying that, you know, it's the rule of law and that we have process and you're going around uh, arbitrarily taking uh, assets, uh, seizing money, as in, in the U.S. And, and other places where they just say, we're going to take that yacht, you're Russian, you can't come here, we're going to take your money. Uh, you, you know, football clubs have to be sold because they, they have a Russian uh, owner. Uh, there's no due process involved. The world is becoming less certain, and this is not going to help uh, the world come out of this uh, impending recession slash depression. Mm-hmm. So Jiahe, recently Chancellor Schultz said that uh, Germany's energy supply is prepared for a possible massive gas cut from Russia with plans to construct LNG uh, terminals and reopen coal-fired and nuclear power stations. So what's the situation over there? Do you think Germany, along with other you know, EU nations, are well prepared for an energy crunch? 
when we talk about the major EU nations, I mean, like uh, you know, German, German, uh, Germany, France, these kinds of countries, it's it's really hard for many of them to well prepared to to deal everything with the energy uh, problem right now because there are two things. The first is that they are still not having enough new energy. Uh, I think that the overall number is about 20 to 30 percent. They, they don't have enough new energy supply. That's one thing. And the second is that they don't have enough power grid, uh, the, the infrastructure for the power grid to absorb enough new energy because you can't have everything uh, with new energy. You know, the, the wind uh, generates, uh, the solar power, for example, it generates um, energy only in the day hour. Uh, so over the night, if, if you don't have enough uh, storage system, it's not possible for you to use uh, all your energy with new energy. So they're having like 20 or 30 percent new energy and the rest of them are, are really rely on uh, traditional energy. And when you look at traditional energy, Russia is exporting about 40, uh, I think it's 40 or 50 percent of the overall, overall energy supply of the Western uh, European nations. So when the Russia is, when Russia is stopping this supply of um, traditional energy, including mainly the oil and the gas, it's really hard for these countries to really absorb the impact. Um, when we look at the German government, they're actually doing as much as they can to stop this, but that's not possible for them to get, you know, say, well prepared. They, they can, they can get it smoothed out, but it's not well-prepared, impact will be felt. Mm -hmm. So, Aina, so Germany is actually home to many high-end manufacturing companies. So, how do you think the energy shortage may reshape the economic landscape in the long run? Well, yeah, well, let's talk about the short run first. Uh, I agree with my colleague. The answer is no, they're not prepared, and it's going to be a real hardship. Energy prices are spiking. Uh, in the case of Uniper, they're saying that they're going to be pass on 90% of the cost uh, to uh, you know whoever's using uh, the energy. Um, that means that it's almost you, you can't produce in Germany for the next couple of years, which is the time it will take to produce all these uh, gas uh, reception and gas liquefaction. Um, uh, processing uh, areas. I mean, it's a whole infrastructure in order to, to import gas uh, by ship. Uh, they don't have that. It's going to take time. Even if they build the facilities, they wouldn't be able to get the ships necessary until 2027. So at the, uh, right now, there was an interesting article put out. The uh, EU uh, Chamber of Commerce in China put out that for every one European country that's thinking about where they should go outside China, eight are considering coming into China. Why? Because China has a stable market. They have a stable energy supply. They're not going to uh, be going under or facing the same situation as Europe. And therefore, this is the place to be manufacturing for the next uh, foreseeable future. Mm. And I know so the EU has announced plan for deep and comprehensive reform of the uh, electricity market to cope with the energy crisis. And uh, the measures include a lot. For example, the temporary state aid, decoupling of uh, gas and electricity prices, etc. So do you think all this can really make up the energy shortage for the region? No, it can't. I mean, this is just like uh, Jeremy Powell in the United States. They're dealing with a supply side issue. Uh, you know, if I if I give give you money, that that's that's fine. Uh, I can reduce your overall cost, but I'm st- if you're still using the same amount of energy, there's going to be a shortage. Mm-hmm. So, Jianghe, we are also seeing a plan for setting a windfall tax for those uh, you know energy suppliers who are making a lot of profits. So, what is the tax, and uh, will that work? 
Well, when, when we look at tech, uh, taxing the energy suppliers, uh, if these energy suppliers would be able to make a large amount of money, um, then that's the tax uh, says that you can't make an extra amount of money in a national crisis situation. We have saw this uh, taxation uh, many times in the history. If you look at the Second World War, the U.S. military uh, equipment uh, providers will be able to make a large amount of profit at the early stage of the war. Uh, and the President Roosevelt later on said, we can't lose um, blood in the front line and uh, capitalists are making money in at home. So they, they put up a tax on, on these companies and these companies have to, uh, well, make a very low profit margin and the rest of the money goes to the government. Uh, and if we look at these kind of taxes, if you say a windfall tax to tax for the profiting energy suppliers, then yes, that, that that's something that sometimes government does in an um, economic crisis situation. But if you look at the long term, this this kind of taxation is not possible because if, if you have this tax for like one year or two, then that's fine. But if if you have this taxation for like uh, five or ten years, then the problem is that many energy suppliers will say, "Okay, we're not making money, so we're not uh, we're not going to invest." Uh, and this will reduce people's incentive to keep on investing and producing more goods to, uh, to to increase the shortage of the market supply. And this is out of the market economy. Then finally, we have nothing. So this is a very temporary thing if we talk about this kind of taxation. So, Aina, so although the EU has built up uh, the gas reserve to more than 80% of its uh, capacity, the bloc is still struggling to ration the supplies ahead of the winter. So what about the next winter? Will it be even tougher situation? Well, I mean, it's going to be very tough for quite a while. As I said, the, the infrastructure it does not exist to replace the gas that they're doing. By putting a tax on something that's already costing too much, that you're going to help the economy and that you're going to be able to pay for these. Industry is going to vote with their feet. The desire in Europe is to onshore uh, manufacturing, but you cannot be competitive manufacturing in Europe if your energy costs, which are a large part of your, you know, your, your, um, your base costs, are up. So you're going to go somewhere else. And that's why you were already seeing this in terms of the you know, uh, flight from Europe as countries, as companies say, look, we have to not only be competitive at home, but also globally. How can, you know, unless Germany decides to erect tariff barriers around itself and say basically we'll only uh, buy German, in which case the inflation will be super high. So mm. there's no, there's no uh, end in sight for a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, we're speaking with Aina Tengen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute and also Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer at Novem Archie Technologies. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Thank you so much for listening.